Please be advised, the following program contains some adult themes and content. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Hi, I'm Ronnie O'Sullivan, and this is 365 Days of Sport. 365 Days of Sport. Yes, good evening and welcome to yet another edition of the greatest sports radio show on the planet. Yes, that's on the week again. Happy Tuesday, everybody! It's time for the Jack Links Beef Jerky 365 Days of Sport radio show. This week, Rob thinks he's far too important not to turn up, so I asked everyone else I could think of and... Everyone else said no, so I had to get this fella in. I played cricket with him. He's a good bloke half the time. It is... Yes, he even got his own thing too. Yes, it's the Brockbuster himself. Mr. Brock Harvey, welcome to 365 Days of Sport. Big fella. Hold on, hold on. I've made my first mistake of the night already. I've clicked the wrong microphone. Now you can talk. You got me now? Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Beef. Um, very, very excited to be here. Uh, Good. A little nervous. I feel like I am trying to fill Rob's ample boots no, here. Don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about that. Rob's probably listening online wherever he is, so he's just keeping tabs on what's going on. I'm sure the um, IQ of the room has dropped significantly <laughs> with me. No, no, so. I can guarantee it hasn't. I can absolutely guarantee it hasn't dropped. So uh, when I told our uh, glorious sponsors, Jack Link's Beef Jerky, that uh, you were coming on, they did send over your very own gift. So oh. you get the uh, Jack Link's Beef jerky pack to uh, keep you through the night. And remember, people, it is the food of astronauts. That's right. Jack Link's beef jerky. It is the food of astronauts. 100% grass-fed New Zealand beef, people. You can't get better than that. So whatever you're doing over the next week, month, year, make sure you get a massive slab of Jack Link's beef jerky. Have you had the uh, ham jerky? Um, No. Sweet and salty goodness. Really? Yeah. to, To steal the Simpsons line, it's like there's a party in your mouth and everyone's invited. Okay. Uh, I don't really eat pig, to be <laughs> honest, unless it's pepperoni pizza, and then I do branch out. <laughs> I did see there's mushroom jerky. I've seen that recently. That seems wrong. Yes. Turkey <laughs> jerky. It's a big favorite of the uh, North Americans. They love, the, they love the turkey jerky. Yeah, turkey jerky. Other jerkies are available, by the <laughs> way. Um, but yeah, I just stick with the ones I like best, uh, traditional beef, and teriyaki is uh, clearly my favorite. Really? Yeah, I, I love the teriyaki. I would have picked you as a barbecue man. Yeah. Knowing your, knowing your choice of pizza, I would yes. have thought that uh, yeah. you would have gone down the barbecue. No, man. the teriyaki beef jerky, you can't really get better than that. It is uh, fantastic. So we've got to thank Jack Link's beef jerky. And uh, also, if you're listening to this on download, which uh, the majority of people probably are, we do thank you for downloading the show because, uh, yeah, you've got other things to do with your lives. And uh, just to spend about an hour and a half with uh, us blokes talking absolute rubbish, we do thank you. If you're looking for a new podcast platform, by the way, check out Good Pods. It is the good reads of the podcast world. It's great for uh, DIY podcasters like myself, Rob, and now Big Bad Brock. Yeah, oh, mate, I'm very excited to be back in the podcast world. Beautiful. <laughs> it's been a while. Probably, if it's been a while, it's uh, no doubt a lot more competitive nowadays in the podcast platform world because 365,000 new podcasts last year. Yeah, everyone's got a podcast now. Everyone's got a podcast now. Well, it's not surprising, really, because radio, let's face it, is rubbish. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I say that. Uh, we are live on radio now, by the way. Commercial radio, I do say commercial radio is rubbish. Oh, it's 
canned crap, really, at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then you got to listen to the presenters speak as well. So yeah, no, it's exactly right. And it, it yeah, I know. It's just, I can't do it. Just cannot do it. I have a question: Is do go you, for it? Do you need to be of a certain persuasion to be on radio these days? Well, I I can't answer that because I genuinely don't listen. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so I can't really tell you. Um, listen. Who are the big names in Australian radio? Kyle and Jackie O. I've never listened to their show, so I can't tell you. All I do is read about rumours. Hamish and Andy. I don't think they even do a live show anymore. Don't they just do a no, podcast now? I'm pretty now? sure they're just podcasting now. Yeah. Well. Who's in Melbourne? The English bloke who does the breakfast show on gold? Christian somebody? Preaching, um, preaching to someone who doesn't I, listen to gold, mate. Hey, so. I don't even get up early enough to listen to the breakfast show. Let's face it. So... I I can't tell you who's big in radio or not. Probably the only radio I'm listening to at the moment would be Triple M related, and that's just related to the footy. Okay. <laughs> so, Well, talking about footy, soon as this is a, a vaguely uh, sport-adjacent show, <laughs> how did Gather Round go round in the uh, Harvey household? Uh, reasonably well. We we love our footy in, yeah. in our house. Um, obviously big pie supporters. <laughs> so I know... Chase, our oldest son, he yeah. sat down and watched every game. Yeah. Is I, it something that you would go to next year now that it's off and up and running? Oh, uh, no. No? <laughs> I okay. can't seem as I've gone Adelaide for it. For, <laughs> for any reason, <laughs> whatever, yeah. Although um, the day-night test match is a highlight, by uh, the way. You know, I do consider myself South Australian. And, oh, okay. And Farmers Union iced coffee is my drink of choice. Right. So... But uh, I don't know. I think it's gone okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I did see pictures of one ground. Well, it looked exactly like my gate pills. Yeah. Like very narrow, and it was like a, well, it was like an athletics track. Well, that's the traditional Aussie football oval. Is that they're supposed to be long and skinny, and then the MCG well, that's like has an athletics track. It. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realise this. So, like, I grew up in Broken Hill. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you. As you know, we have two grounds in Broken Hill, the yep. Alma Oval and the Jubilee Oval, right? Um, which are about six kicks long and one kick wide. Ooh. So getting the ball from one end to the other takes a lot of well, start running. When Aussie rules first got invented, now I'm talking from a period of history, it was invented to keep cricketers fit. Yes. The scores were like 2-1 yeah. because the pitches were a thousand metres long or yeah. more because it was three cricket grounds or something put together. Yeah, that's it. So and then the MCG became the home of football. Yeah, went okay. up to cricket ground, <laughs> and yep. um, those dimensions kind now, of took over. Now, here's my theory for Aussie rules: it should only be goals as the score, right? And behinds only count if it's a tie. Mm, I don't. I can't see they're catching on after a hundred odd years, mate. Hey, if you've listened to this show, foundation. Um, <laughs> Common sense is the foundation of my DNA. It doesn't matter about catching on. It should be how many goals wins. Yeah, but nah, nah. Yeah, but nah. <laughs> there's, there's a good Aussie response for you. <laughs> yeah, but Points nah. for missing. That's all it is, people. Points for missing. Anyway, so Gather Round happened and every game was sold out, allegedly. Allegedly, but when 5,000 people is the capacity of the ground, I think it's pretty easy to sell it out. Yeah. And that's probably the biggest downside to it being in Adelaide is they've only got one stadium now yes. they've got rid of footy park yeah, yeah so i think one of the deals for him to host the next three will be to build another boutique stadium there oh, okay um, which would probably be on the port adelaide side of town considering the adelaide is the north adelaide side of town and yeah. port adelaide's the completely other side of town okay. so they might put one out the other side of town and, and have like a twenty thousand people stadium okay there, possibly interesting i mean they're thing. they're a bit late to the party in the uh all-in-one city rounds because obviously in the uk rugby league started with um a magic, I think it was called Magic Ground, actually. And then, obviously, Rugby League jumped on over here, and they do it in Brisbane, where all eight games are at Suncorp Stadium. Oh, there you go. <laughs> all eight. I don't think they even 
I'm pretty sure all eight are at the one stadium. And then Super Rugby have been doing it in, in Melbourne as well, where all there's only six games for Super Rugby. Second year of that this year, so it was the first year of the AFL. So Yeah. Uh, caught me by surprise from an AFL perspective. Um, didn't expect it to ever happen. So. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I didn't even know it was happening. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Until... You're the Super AFL <laughs> fan that you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Until it kind of... Well, the rollout was... Because the only reason I found out it was happening, it was somebody said, oh, who's planned this? All AFL games are in Adelaide, and yet Melbourne Rebels had a bye. The Storm were away. Victory were away. I think Melbourne City were away. The only home team was West United. So the only competition for sport in Melbourne was, I think, West United. I could well be wrong on that, but... uh, That might explain. I took Lucas out to the VFL to watch Box Hill play Collingwood down in Whitehorse out there. Yeah, I I know where the ground is. Absolutely pissing down, but, geez, there's a lot of people there. Oh, was there? (laughs) Yeah. So that might explain why there were so many people there. Oh, um, well, that's the idea. See, what happens in English football... So when there's an international break, there's the two divisions, top two divisions generally don't play. They then call it non-league round, where you're meant to go and support your local non-league team. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so they kind of do it quite well that way when, when England or Wales are playing, but uh, that should be how the VFL are out. And I got dragged along to a VFL game last year, actually, Collingwood and Brisbane. Brisbane in the VFL, that doesn't make much sense, does it? You reckon they'd be Fitzroy? They should be playing as Fitzroy. That would make sense. But there you go. Um, um, but <laughs> I think Southport play in the VFL as well now. Yeah. Um, and I think there's another. I think Sydney actually, I think. Would, I'm not sure Sydney, if the Giants do. Sydney play, the Giants do. Again, you reckon Sydney would cover as South Melbourne. I think you're onto something there. Yeah, Brisbane would be Fitzroy. and then But you still got some of the old original yeah. teams as well. You've got Port Melbourne and Williamstown. And yeah, well, I can guys, tell you who's so. top of the league, Casey. Yeah, the old Casey Demons. Yeah. Uh, they've been strong for the last few years. Um, Box Hill was a pretty good team. There's 21 teams in the VFL nowadays. Casey at top, Brisbane... Gold Coast. Gold Coast in the VFL. There you go. Didn't know that. <laughs> Box Hill, Williamstown, Richmond, Essendon, Collingwood, Carlton, Great Western Sydney Giants. Now, here's another theory. Why are they called the Giants? Why aren't GWS called the Great White Sharks? GWS, GWS, create some killers um, out here. Not the Giants. I'm not too sure the uh, survey. <laughs> the it's AFL a bit too late out. now. <laughs> Ten <laughs> years in, the whatever they are. Anyway, uh, good on the uh, Great White Sharks. North Melbourne, Port Melbourne, the, uh, one of the only standalones. Geelong, Southport, Werribee. Oh, Werribee. But are they linked to the Kangas? Um, no, Tigers. Werribee Tigers, aren't they? I think oh, they I might be North Melbourne. Richmond had their own team as well, but I may be wrong was that on that one. Oh, Richmond is six. I did say Richmond. Uh, anyway, we're uh, Geelong, Southport, Werribee, Footscray, Frankston, Sandringham, Northern Bullants, who... Didn't they used to be Carlton, Northern Bullants? And... Yeah, Carlton and the Bullants. Yep. Collingwood and Williamstown used to be aligned as well. Uh, okay. Um, but they found... I guess they wanted their own development structures, so they went down their own path. And then you've got Sydney and Coburg. Coburg, a bottom of the league. Uh, as always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, if the Anzac Day is obviously sold out on Wednesday, I think Collingwood was playing Essendon in Victoria Park as an Anzac Day Oh, game. Victoria Park. Okay, the old Where, Vic Park. <laughs> so I went, when I went to see Collingwood play Brisbane last year, it was at the ground in between Amy Park and the Collingwood Training Centre. Yeah. So you could just rock up. Yeah, it's Didn't great. Didn't have to pay. <laughs> and there was 200 people there, if that. Yeah, it's great. I, know, I like taking the kids there because they get closer to the action yeah. and, and all that stuff. the great thing is, now, when I used to go and watch Rugby Union in Wales when you are a kid, half-time, it used to be five minutes at most for half-time, and the kids went on the field and even got autographs from the players. They just, just stand in a circle, eat oranges, sign autographs, whatever. Yeah. 
at quarter time, half time, and three quarter time in the VFL. I'm not sure where it's all grounds, but everyone's on the pitch kicking balls around. Yeah, so the boys love it, yeah. <laughs> um, obviously. So uh, I think it was after the game. We went to the Port Melbourne game as well because Ginevan was playing his first game back. All oh, um, right. And everyone just went straight to Ginevan, almost like an AFL game for him. But um, So yeah. to our listeners in the States and uh, the UK, basically the VFL is, is Division 2 or the, the – the next tier down of Aussie rules. Is it like your G League for basketball? Like your G League or D League or whatever, or the XFL nowadays in American <laughs> football, I guess. But it's a lot more community-based than being professional teams. So it's it's not like the championship in soccer if in the UK. It's more like your non-league. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. It's a it's quite a big step down. Even though you get a mix in all these teams of uh, guys that are either coming back from injury, not quite good enough to make the first team in the Aussie rules, or when you're a club like Southport, or we're talking about the standalone clubs like Williamstown. You know, they're a local, real backs against the wall type team that's trying to stand up for the amateurs against the semi pros or professionals. Basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and you get some good players, yeah, uh, obviously, and you get some tough bastards as well. Well, so <laughs> that's the thing isn't it uh, these guys and there's a, there's been a few players in the past couple of years that have been playing VFL for years and years that have been overlooked by the AFL for some reason yes. and I'm thinking um, there was the big fella from Geelong who oh, played okay. via and he didn't make his AFL debut to he was like 29 or something yeah, um, Barlow um, as well. He was VFL for yeah. a long well, time. Well, Dane Zorko um, played VFL or Southport. It might have even been QFL till he was 25 or something before he played for Brisbane. Now he's a mainstay. Yeah. Because um, they didn't think he was big enough. I guess from a Collingwood perspective again, my check, he was straight out of the VFL. So yep. I'll, I'll speak Collingwood all night because, as you know, I'm a Collingwood supporter. So. Um, Geelong James, he was 20. Oh, I can't he was a, he was a ruckman and he was a big guy, James somebody I think. But, but there's a few, there's a few coming out of the Sandfall and the Waffle as well. Yeah, well, um, that's true, and is, that, that's um, that's a little bit different again because obviously in July, Geelong, South Australia, and Western Australia, it is the their well, it's their pinnacle, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's their chosen sport. I was going to call it their national sport, and I'll <laughs> jump on it again. Australia should be seven different countries, people. It really should. Not state-based, so it We're should big be a national sport. Yeah. i got to wish uh, the University of North Texas, the Mean Green, they have just won the National Collegiate Polo title. Oh, that was not a path I was expecting no, to take then. I didn't even know North Texas had a polo team, but they are national champions. So uh, congratulations. instantly goes to American football. Yeah, well, they, UNT aren't the best at American football. They're not bad basketball team. They actually won the... Uh, How's this? They won their conference, right? This is North Texas, the Mean Green. They won their conference. They were expected to go through their playoffs. They lost in the first round of their own conference tournament, so they didn't get to the uh, national titles. Yeah. The, the what's it called? The uh, the Big Dance, the sixty four. But they got invited to the NIT tournament, the National Invitation Tournament, and they've won that. Oh, okay. So they're the, basically the sixty fifth best team in in America. <laughs> but they should have got to probably the last sixteen thirty two to push depending on where they would have been seeded in their group of 16. I would hate to see the um, spreadsheet for the qualifying criteria for collegiate sports. Uh, it's <laughs> ridiculous. So, it really is. To get into the, what is it, the final four um, for basketball? That's well, they, they split it into four 16s. Right. So they kind of seed it. Uh, I don't, it's not necessarily northeast, west, south either. Yeah. They kind of put you wherever. Uh, it's based on seedings. And then they seed 
those 16. So they try and <laughs> seed the top four to get to the semi-final. The, um, I can't even remember what the semi-finals are called. I thought it was the big four or the final four yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah, final four, I think. And they, they do the final four and the final in one stadium, generally over a weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah final yeah. four, I think. Yeah. And that's where so, all, um, that's where all your big draft picks come out well, of. Well, you would have thought so. You would have thought so. But, uh, yeah, North Texas, my, my uh, alma mater, they, uh, well, they did okay, but they should have done better. Put it that way. North Texas. Yes. What is the relationship there? That's where I went to university. I'll be goddamned. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's um, it's about half an hour north of Dallas. Denton is a quite a small town. North Texas, yeah, they're not really great at sport, <laughs> which is weird. But every now and again, they produce a, a decent player or two. Is that how you got the nickname Beefy? Were no. You, were you just under the beef ribs the whole time? <laughs> yeah. you're oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird. Denton is a town of about sixty-five to 70,000 people. And it's got three universities in the in the town. Yep. But during holidays, it's only got like twenty thousand people there. Yeah. If okay. that. Yeah. All the enough. students just leave. So just a big school town. Yes, um, it's a big music college. Really? Weirdly enough, no, it's like a really highly ranked music college. So people like Roy Orbison and the Eagles and Meatloaf. <laughs> um, there's a few others. Just yeah, get brought out as uh, weirdly linked to the University of North Texas. At the risk of taking this down a very dark path. No, that's where we like to go. <laughs> the what was your major over there, Beef? I did business over there. Ah, I did coasting. Enough. That's what I did. What? Coast, just co- I coasted. Coasting. I just coasted through. Played, <laughs> I thought you said hosting there. Yeah, yeah, I, I just like, played. Uh, a- I played rugby. The idea was to go and play American football there. Oh, okay. And I was on exchange, so when I kind of decide I want to go and play American football over there. Got invited to be on the team and then when we went to sign some papers um, they asked me what I was doing there and I said I'm an exchange student from Sheffield in England and they said ah if you're going to play American football you're not allowed to be an exchange student you have to transfer. Oh okay. And that was that. Were you a big linebacker or? No I was a punter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey there's some big 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 fellas playing there so I went there to kick and um, because I couldn't do that I ended up uh, playing rugby for the town team and it was I had a much better year because oh. we made national championships and everything oh, and like when you're 19 living in Texas when the legal drinking age is 21 you need to be with a rugby team because every rugby team in Texas club rugby team is based at their local pub and sponsored by the local brewery it's the best way to be that's the only way to be but yeah definitely yeah. was Yes, so no, I had a great time out there. If anyone's thinking about uh, going to the States and, and looking at American College, I can highly recommend it. It's fantastic. It's well worth it. I've always considered myself a Yukon alumni from afar. Yes. <laughs> I was never, ever part of it and have never even been to that part of America. But I'm not sure what's in Connecticut. I don't even know. Oh, just the Huskies. That's it. Uh, just yeah, UConn. Good, good basketball team. Really strong women's basketball division, as you know. But um, yeah, the, ben, the boys are getting there. Yeah. So. Hilarious. Well, it's not that hilarious, actually. Rocked up to the very first men's basketball game of the season when I was there. And a team called the Brisbane Spartans turned up. In a preseason game, <laughs> and it was like, who are these Brisbane Spartans? Because obviously they weren't in the old National Basketball League back in '93 ish when we were there. And the Aussies that were on campus saying, "I've heard of these Brisbane Spartans. Who are they?" And it turned up they were, uh, in the old terms, a CBA club right. called 
Southern District Spartans, and they would just had to call themselves Brisbane because nobody would take them seriously if they turned up as the Southern District Spartans. That sounds about right for the level of professionalism. Yes. In, um... So they were just on a preseason little jaunt out there, getting on the lash, basically. So uh, yes, University of North Texas, uh, fun place to be. Yeah, all fun. Like I said, if uh, if anyone gets the opportunity to go out and spend some time, if it's just a semester, go and do it because uh, you have some great fun. And weirdly enough, the Americans are, are very hospitable. Uh, all I can say is just don't go to Chicago at the moment. I've always found Americans hospitable when you're not American. <laughs> so they like Generally, you if you're not American. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just if you're American, you have a problem. And the other thing is, get out of the big cities. That's the other thing. When you're out in the smaller, more regional areas, people just... They're just so keen to meet you and talk to you and everything else. And if you're in the big cities, they've seen it all before. And show you their guns. <laughs> well, done that many a times, unfortunately. So, uh, yes. I mean, taking the shirt off and showing the guns. Oh, no. <laughs> well, the other ones as well. So, my second day on campus, I'm in a shared room, right? And they do Jack and Jill bathrooms when you're in camp- on ca- living on campus. So, you have one room and there's two of you and another room and you share a bathroom, basically. Right. So... The second day, my roommate hasn't moved in yet, but he moved in on the second day. And he's a 89-year-old kid from Dallas. And uh, I'm sitting there, and he's there chatting away, and he says, Right, hey, if there's ever any trouble, feel free, just use this. He opens a drawer, and there's a gun right. sitting in the top drawer. <laughs> I'm from Wales, right? I'm 19. And I said to him, I said, what am I going to do? Throw it at him. <laughs> I mean, it's just... That is run of the mill to them. It's just you have a gun sitting in the drawer, ready to go, just at a drop of a hat. And it's like, (laughs) fuck me. Pardon me. I'm just like, there's a gun in the room. I was dumbfounded. It's... um it's definitely a different culture in that in that regard. Obviously, being Australian, yeah. we, we don't. Oh, it was, like it's weird. It still shocks me now today telling that story that uh, the second day I'm there and the guy said, "Just just use the gun, man." And it's like <laughs> if I do something wrong, you're going to shoot me. It, like, uh, yeah, yeah. You come sneaking in through the night <laughs> without him even realizing. Oh, it, it was just the anyway. To be honest, I'm gonna I'm gonna be fair and say I didn't actually come across. That many guns in Texas. Oh, Weirdly enough, like not in open play, so to speak. Well, when you consider what you hear about Texas from this side of the, side of the world. Yeah, 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 um, definitely. You'd expect every second person to have one. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it was a wake-up call, but you just didn't see it. And I think, obviously, landscape's changed a bit, hasn't it, really? That's the that's the bottom line is now where I think everyone's packing, so to speak. <laughs> Sort of. All good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. That's it. It's uh, There was a lot less video games back then, that's for sure. <laughs> I think that's the issue. What up? Same old, same old. You? Fifty Shades of Greys. Nice. <laughs> hey, did you hear the news about Bridget? She's making her way around Australia. For reals? Yeah, she's everywhere. Barbecues, footy, even camping. Well, sounds like she's flat out. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to go to Australia. One day, bro. One day. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues. Beef up your snack life. Hi, I'm Dane Swan, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. Welcome to Joker. Welcome to Joker. Welcome to Joker. Oh, yeah, welcome to Joker. This is the replacement section for the failures of David Boone, Max <laughs> Walker, and Cricket Sledges. So, this is where we get to tell our own sports jokes instead of the randomness that was the others. 
So, mate, you might as well kick it off. You can go for your life. Mine is loosely sports-related. That's in fine. That it is... A bit like this show. <laughs> related Although to... Although we've talked a lot of sports tonight, which that is, is well, um, rare. That's my influence, mate. Good. Um, this is related to the sport of drinking. So, a bear walks into a bar, and he says, give me a whiskey and uh, cola. The bartender said, what's with the big paws? The bear shrugged and said, not sure, I was born with them. Yeah. Come on, that's gold. It is. That is absolute <laughs> gold. I, I was looking for the sand effects thing, but uh, they're not here. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a start. Put it that way. All right. I've got uh, a man joins the local rugby team. His new teammates inform him. At your first team dinner as the new guy, you've got to give us a talk about sex. The evening arrives and he gives a detailed, humorous account of his sex life. When he got home, his wife asked how the evening went, and not wanting to lie, but also not wanting to explain exactly what happened, he said, Oh, I had to make a talk about yachting. Oh, his wife thought this was a little peculiar, but she said nothing and went to sleep. The next day, she happened to bump into one of his new teammates in the supermarket and asked, Ah, I heard my husband had to make a speech last night. How did it go? His mate said, smiling, Oh, it was excellent. Your husband's clearly very experienced. The wife looked confused and replied to his mate, Strange. He's only done it twice, and the second time he was sick. <laughs> okay, you win that one. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Well, at least I got a laugh. Rob would have sat there and gone, yeah, I saw that coming. Ah, uh, fair enough. All right. On this day in sport, uh, 18th of April, happy birthday, English test batsman Doug Insole. There you go. Happy birthday, Doug, if you're listening. Austrian auto racer Jochen Rint, who died in 1970. Happy birthday, Jochen. Uh, oh, happy birthday, Nick Farr-Jones. Blast from the past there. Uh, lifted the uh, World Cup in 1991, if you didn't know, Brock. Oh, I'm not a soccer West fan. Indians. That's rugby union. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, West Indian test batsman Phil Simmons. There's a player. Happy birthday, Phil. Used to be coach of Wales, weirdly enough. Isn't he coach of the West Indies now? He is coach of the West Well, surely it would have sacked him by now. Nah, he's Nobody a- else wants it. That's the problem. Absolute legend of the game. Russian NHL left winger Valery Kamensky. Happy birthday, Valerie, if you're uh, listening. Swedish soccer midfielder Stefan Schwartz. German swimmer Heike Friedrich. Ethiopian runner Haile Gabri Selassie. Happy birthday, Haile. What a runner you are. English rugby union prop Graham Roundtree. Australian tennis player Andrew Illy. Oh, the old, old mate that ripped his shirt off every two seconds. Did he? Uh, yeah, whenever he won a point, he'd rip his shirt over. Right, happy birthday, <laughs> so. Andrew. Never heard of you personally, but there you go. Happy birthday. And here you go. You were waiting for this, Brock. You were telling me earlier about Venezuelan baseball third baseman Miguel Cabrera. Happy birthday, Miguel. Always good to get a baseball. Yeah. Well, talking about baseball, on this day in 1923, Yankee Stadium opened. Really? Yes. There you go. Obviously oh, the old one. 100 years. Happy birthday to Yankee Stadium. 100 years old <laughs> today. Yes. Wow. On this day, 942, the Toronto Maple Leafs became the only team in any major league sport to win a championship after being down 3-0 in the final series. Well done, the Maple Leafs. I'm going to put a pin in that. Didn't uh, LeBron's Cleveland Cavaliers uh, that, also do this that? This was 1942. Oh, right, fair enough. They were the first team. Well, the first. Um, the 25-year-old Joan Benoit smashed the Women's World Record in the Boston Marathon on this day, 1983. She did 2.22.43. Two minutes, 45 seconds faster than Greta Weitz's run the previous day in London. Not on this day. 1994, Brocky. West Indian batsman Brian Lara scored 375 in the fifth test against England and Antigua. Just a lazy 375. Yeah, 766 <laughs> minutes, 538 balls, 45 fours. 
previous record was? Oh, uh, yeah, 365. Oh, good. By Garfield Sobers. Nice work. There we go. It lasted... you put me on the spot there. Well, that's the idea. <laughs> record lasted nine years before Matthew Hayden hit 380 against the very, very amateurish Zimbabwe. Yeah, against in the Perth. Ray Price State was beating. turning in millimetres. <laughs> Nine, 2005, Catherine Nderaba of Kenya became the first woman to win four Boston marathons. Oh, on this day in 2008, Kolkata Knight Riders won the first ever IPL game. We were just talking about the IPL off-air. And then iconic women's basketball coach Pat Summit stepped down as the head coach of the Tennessee Lady Vols. In 2012, so that's really groundbreaking news. <laughs> I'll a be coach retired. I'm sure that sent a ripple through yeah. world sport at the time. Says her <laughs> career ended with an imposing 1,098 to 208 winning record. Tennessee never failed to reach the NCAA tournament under her guidance. Uh, that actually rings a bell now. I think I might have watched a documentary for. Yeah, a lot well, of you apparently got a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> uh, right, we're going to do this. this. Is something a bit new. But it's not Rob's film review. This is Brock's film review. Jeez, I didn't know I was giving a whole review. Oh, mate. Well, you don't have to give a review. Just tell us what you've seen. <laughs> uh, me and the spot s- related, obviously. Uh, well, yes, of course. Uh, me and the sweetie went out to Chadston on Sunday night. Really? I would- Brave Chadston uh, oh. on an Easter weekend. Orthodox Easter, if you're Orthodox. I would encourage no one to do that in their life <laughs> because it was very anxiety but school inducing. holidays. Oh, my God. It was insane. It was 6 p.m. on a Sunday. You Good. wouldn't expect too many people to be there. On a wet Sunday. Yeah, it was packed. It was like it was Christmas time. But anyway, we went and saw Air. Also, the what I've called the Nike film, because yeah. Air's a stupid name for a movie, but very good, to be honest very, with you, Beef. Is it more documentary style than movie? Nah, definitely more movie style. It's right. um, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. And, um, Matt Damon's playing Michael Jordan? Nah. I he- don't think you can do that nowadays. <laughs> Actually, the guy that plays Michael Jordan, you never see his face, but it's by Matt Damon and um, his mate. Ah. Uh, ben Affleck. Right. And they basically play the Nike executives that, okay. um, I guess, made the the deal with Jordan, designed the shoe and, and all that other stuff. Ah, okay. And the biggest, I, what it's about, really, is trying to win him over from Adidas because he wanted to go to Adidas or Adidas, whatever you want to call him, because he's a big Adidas fan. Right. Um, and they put an offer on the table that was too good to refuse for yeah, him, yeah. essentially, and, and created the legacy. But well worth a watch. Very good. I didn't know this was a thing. I'm going to be honest with you, that they made a <laughs> dramatization out of michael jordan signing with nike yeah well they, Did, uh, do you know if nike have funded this i would assume so right because there's nike everywhere oh, there would it. be yeah <laughs> they've kind of made it out how they saved the nike basketball department that they weren't going right. to be in basketball they were just going to stick to running uh and now it's obviously the biggest nike well the biggest shoe yeah, yeah. in basketball By a um, long way well not just basketball yeah, all well, sport, that's yeah. it, an all sport. But um, I know it was very good. It was entertaining. Okay. Um, Matt Damon is actually pretty brilliant in it, to be honest with you. Right. Um, plays a role well. Uh, and yeah, I think everyone came together well for it. So Very interesting. Like I said, I didn't know this was the thing. 
Rob will tell you, everyone will tell you, I don't watch any movies, generally. <laughs> um, but in terms of that, it's something that would probably interest me. Is it along the Moneyball lines? Is it kind of that kind of... It's kind uh, of got that vibe to it, That's yeah. what I'm kind of yeah. fe- feeling already. Uh, see, Moneyball is probably my favourite movie of all time. With I think, and Rob, actually, weirdly yeah. enough. This must be something to do in that chair. Uh, I'll go Moneyball and probably Inglorious Bastards next to it. But right. um had a very similar vibe to it, so... Yeah. Yeah, as I said, well worth it. Well, there's watch. not much you can do with, with sports films of that ilk anyway based on real happenings yeah true, true you can't really go a bit too mad well there wasn't a lot of sport going on and it was just all contract talk but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and really i don't know how they made a two-hour movie on designing a shoe but that kept you captivated but they did it so that's the magic word <laughs> kept you captivated that's the uh, that really is kind of where it's at like i said i didn't even know it was uh, a film but it's out there and it's called air it's called air terrible name but good movie Right. I'll go, what do we want, 4.5? Not bad. 4. Hackers. 5. We we go with Hackers on this show uh, with hackers, Rob's movie review, yeah. Right, okay. So, four and a half Hackers. If you're in the uh, market to uh, see Air, the film, not the actual Air, <laughs> uh, then uh, get along if you're a Jordan fan. Actually, um, that is one of my kind of regrets, actually, about living in the States around 93, 94, was able, had access to go and watch the Bulls versus the Mavericks, or the other way around. And, yeah. Just didn't go. Just didn't go. It's funny how you miss out on slices of history. Yes. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody asked me not that long ago whether I I actually saw Jordan play, and I don't think I did, weirdly enough. I don't think he played 2001 Goodwill Games, America Broad Team. I don't think he was in that. It was that Dream Team era. No. I don't think he came. That would be post post Jordan yeah I'd say oh, he, I reckon he's probably just finishing up with the Wizards that's, around there that's so. what I'm thinking so I don't think I saw Jordan play live yeah okay well that would put you probably in the minority for anyone that's lived in America so well that's exactly <laughs> right that is a bit of a regret not I'm a basketball fan by any stretch but uh, I mean this is a, a person that kind of uh, you know rose above was an icon of the sport yeah one of those people i guess that um transcended the sport didn't they that's the phrase i was looking for but you've yeah. done it very very well now talking about uh, things that we're known for in this show so we played the first song that came to his head it just so happened to be it was the worst song in the world it was the worst song in the world listen to the song and it's clear about because the words don't fit and the song is shit you're a talentless Now, one of our listeners in England sent this through. I'm not going to lie. This is my favourite segment on the is show. It? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, I think this is going to... Uh, this might tickle you. Chopper in the north of England. He's from all actually. Big rugby league fan. He says, Beefy, I don't think you've done this. And after listening to it, we definitely haven't done this. This is from uh, the Wigan Warriors Rugby League. This is their Challenge Cup final song from 2017 apparently it received lots of ridicule so i don't know what it's called actually i don't know it's just got the wigan warriors anthem that's what it says anyway so this is not your average rugby league song Singing with the band I 
Boston, Ashton, Bottica, Edwards, Gregory, Leiden, Bell and Hampson, Hanley, Wayne and West were the most successful club on earth, oh Wigan is the best. <laughs> Although the game is tough and hard, the crowd's as good as gold, a happy family atmosphere that's safe for young and old, so come on down and join our crowd within these famous walls, we're more famous than Wigan, Pier or Uncle Joe's go thanks <laughs> that's it um worst song in the world is about when sport and music mixes with varying degrees of success I, I, for me that had a little bit of uh redneck about it so i was about yep. to snuggle up to my cousin and then <laughs> the rap came in and it just blew me out of the water yeah that confused me now <laughs> the video to this is a bloke with a ukulele with the players right the players do not look happy that they're there. <laughs> I've got to be honest, they are very reticent to get involved, but they kind of do join in and, and sing along a bit. The rap, I'm not quite sure what was going on there. <laughs> it's just, you know what, we need some modern influence. Yeah, well, it. the Lonnie Donegan uh, banjo style, you know, works <laughs> on the Wigan you know, uh, public if you're from the 1950s. Yeah, right. Not modern day, really, although, uh, what's he called, uh, Ed Sheeran seems to give it a go, I suppose. Well, he had to, he had to pull in, what is it, Gen, Gen Z or Gen Millennial or Millennial, whatever it is. Yeah. He had to pull them in somehow, <laughs> and that, that's the way to do it. Well, I mean, this show is 290 episodes old. We've probably done anything upwards of 300 songs, and that's, that is in the worst 10. That would be very high on the worst radar. And worst being worst. Not worst enjoyable, just hateful. I, I would actually put the one from a couple of weeks ago with the bloke that was singing about Frisbee golf. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that was that, just bad. That's probably ahead of that, um, because at least that had a decent backbeat. And people have invested in I tell you. He's got the players going. He's brought the kids in. We're going to have invested in this, and the result <laughs> is horrendous. 
Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And so um, <laughs> thanks to uh, Chopper for sending that through because uh, that is, yeah, it's up there. It yeah, is up nah, there. Not good. Not good. Yeah, not good <laughs> at all. Uh, we're going to do this quickly. Is it better than the beef? Probably. As you may know, Brock, I've got a world record. I'm very aware. You're very aware. <laughs> As is anyone that's ever met you. Out of China, a 10-year-old aspiring soccer star broke a Guinness World Record by juggling a soccer ball with his feet 8,147 times in an hour. Tang Jin Fan was awarded the title for the most football touches with alternating feet in one hour. Jin Fan was encouraged to attempt the record after his coach Ling Zhaozhong took note of the boy's skills. In our soccer club, many teammates can juggle the ball over a thousand times with both feet, but I am the best performer, Jin Fan said. <laughs> oh, he's got tabs on himself already. Jin Fan said he hopes to attend Shenzhen University eventually join a professional soccer team and then play for China in the World Cup. Oh. So, is... Juggling a soccer ball with alternating feet 8,147 times in an hour better than the beef. Now, this doesn't say the ball didn't touch the floor. Does it say it's a world record? Yeah, yeah, it broke the Guinness world record. So I don't know what the previous record was. It's not in the report, unfortunately, from Guinness. It's it's impressive calf endurance. (laughs) I'll give him that. I mean, need to do some maths here, Brocky. I should have done this before, but uh, (laughs) as you well know, preparation isn't my strength. So we've got to do... 8,000, this is like two or three or so. I'm just trying to get the old uh, computer going here. Wouldn't, wouldn't juggling imply that it hasn't hit the ground as yes, well? Yes, yeah, 3,600. This is 2.26 touches a second. This can't be right. That's He's doing tiny kicks. Obviously, he's yes. doing the old like, little little tap tweed so, towards each foot. And it's alternating. So this, I'm questioning this, whether this is real. Who's counted this as well? <laughs> well, that's a valid point. Who's standing there counting this at 8,000 times? <laughs> I'm trying to work out my map. Unless there's an official, like, uh, what is it? You know, the pedometers on a ball? He's doing this for an hour. 2.26 touches per second. Yeah, I, as I said, that's I'm impressive confused. calf strength. Uh, I'm, and he's 10. And they're measuring methods. We need to know their measuring methods. In order for this to be a, a world record, there needs to be some, what is it? The science needs to be proven yeah. by its peers. So <laughs> let's take this on face value, Brock. Is this better than the beef as it is in the report? There's a few things missing. Oh, I don't know. Without it being peer-reviewed, um, I'm going to say no on this one. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you that because, <laughs> one, I'm not sure it's believable. Two, we need to see this kid in action. Three, he's ten. Four, he's only done it for an hour. Five, he's got tickets as well. So he's- <laughs> Yes! Oh, well, that's made my mind up, that's for sure. So uh, let's have, uh, yeah. No, Jin Fan. You're not better than the beef, unless we see this on video and you're actually really good. Uh, anyway. Hey, did you hear about Kevin? No. He's in Australia too. Spreading himself a bit thin. Yeah. Everyone wants a slice of Kevin. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Links, beef up your snack life. Hi, I'm Andrew Gaze and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. Ah, welcome back to 365 Days. Boy, you listen to Beefy and Brock. 
I need uh, I need the link to that song, please, Beef. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I don't know who it is actually. <laughs> anyway, it's called OnlyFans Girl, and we do cover some OnlyFans news in this show every now and again, sports related, obviously. This has to be Renee Gracie related. Um, no, no, no. It's oh. uh, horse racing related, actually. Weirdly enough, it turns out that some folks running high-end horse stables in England are just a little uptight. There was one rider's experience when she was informed recently that she had just a few days to find new stables for a horse. Honor Spencer revealed that the Marbury Equestrian Centre, or we're not supposed to uh, give this bint, revealed that the Marbury Equestrian Centre in Cheshire gave her 10 days to find a new home for a horse cherry. The 27-year-old says she was asked to leave after it was discovered she works as an OnlyFans model. According to the bint, who makes more than £6,000 a month... Where's the... Where, how? How is she making £6,000 a month, Brock? Oh, mate, there's money in sickos. <laughs> Clearly there is. From her exclusive content, a stable worker sent her the message. The message reads, You are a lovely person. However, unfortunately, we are not comfortable with the industry you work in, which has been brought to our attention and the different various people you have brought to the yard. Obviously, she wasn't happy about this development. She felt she was being discriminated against, all because of her job. It's not a job, love. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> In the end, she was able to find a new stable, one willing to accept her money and house her horse. Apparently, the new stable isn't afraid of her OnlyFans content, or that it will somehow spill over into the stable or whatever the other stable had an issue with. However, there's a little more to the Bint story. While OnlyFans models being kicked out of this or fired from that has become regular occurrences, something wasn't adding up. It was clear why that was. Good punctuation in these reports. It was clear why that was after doing some in-depth research on her Instagram page. It turns out she's also known by another name. Oh, I was going to reveal her name, and I've read just read ahead quickly. And why um, the OnlyFans claim wasn't adding up because the other name is also a porn star. The porn star with almost a decade of work under her belt. Now, don't get us wrong. I don't think being a porn star should disqualify you from having access to a stable for your horse. Assuming, of course, she wasn't making content with that horse. Well, my worry on this, in well, I say worry, yeah. the way the world's going, is it actually a horse or is it just some dude that identifies <laughs> as a horse? Well, yes, he does identify as a horse, definitely, especially in that industry, Brock. That's absolutely for certain. Um, so, yeah, turns out she was masquerading. In fact, clearly, there's not enough money in porn because she's now using OnlyFans to top up her income to the tune of £6,000 a month. No comment. <laughs> I, no I'm pretty comment. sure my sweetie's listening to this, so there's no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of uh, Rene Gracie, as you mentioned, but I did see, for some unknown reason, uh, I was watching a YouTube video, and her story, So they've done some interview with her about what she's done with her money, and it popped up. I wasn't paying attention, and it popped up as the next video. I don't oh. know why, right? <laughs> so it was on, and all of a sudden, it's I bought this, I bought that. With all the money I made, I did this, I did that. And it was like, okay, how have you made all this money? And she claimed she was made in the first six weeks or something. She was on OnlyFans half a million dollars. Yeah, $550,000 or something. That's what I and read as well. I'm so. going to be honest, she's not even that good looking. I agree. I 
don't understand the people that pay for this when there's so much available free. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's exactly. That's another thing. Is, so I don't understand. I mean, she, you know, I bought this $1.5 million house with cash. She then comes out with cash or along those lines, just bought it outright. And now, as you've mentioned, they blocked her from buying a V8 team, didn't they, at the start of the season or in between seasons? Yeah, there's something, supercars and their licensing, they... Um, well, there was there is a... How many teams? in 24 or 25? 25 licenses. And there is a spare one going because somebody threw theirs back, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. So she was able and she was going to put up the money to buy this licenses going begging and they knocked her back. Yeah, V8 Supercars or Supercars, not V8 Supercars anymore. Avesco. Um, yes, Tony Cochran. Um, they chose to absorb the license to maintain the license value across right. the field. So I think they were a little bit worried about the um, the market Image, value. the image, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, thank Although, you. Although, I mean, <laughs> thank look, you for saving me there, there is something to be said because every sport is in the market to bring, as they quite aptly say, new eyeballs to the sport. Yeah. So if they were serious about bringing new eyeballs and protecting existing sponsors, which I don't think would be an issue, that they would be, it would be paramount for them to get her involved if she wants to get involved. The real funny thing about it is she's now involved in the GT Australian Championship, okay. which is owned by Supercars. Oh, right. So they've, they've allowed her into the, I guess, the second or third yeah. tier level of the sport or the sports cars level. It, of is it a factor that uh, they probably don't want to involve because it would be taking interest and media interest away from their existing top flight Kiwis, so to speak? Cause, uh, I think it's the blue chip sponsorship that they're probably worried about, like the Red Bulls and um, Monster Energy and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, be but... interesting to see what sponsorship she does bring to the party. Well, that's it, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I mean, purely as a, as a businessman, thinking along those lines because uh, nobody's in their you know right interest to turn away sponsorship money right well, now it's somewhat hypocritical because i remember there being a car sponsored by daily planet when in the 90s oh, when was i was there? a young fella so okay. and i remember asking dad what daily planet was and i yeah. assumed it's a newspaper from <laughs> superman brock exactly i assumed it was a newspaper company <laughs> okay because um, yeah dad never told me the truth on that one but yeah. um i'm sure there's others I'm sure there's others. Oh, absolutely, there would be. Lots so, of others, but yes. uh, we'll, we'll get down those. Uh... So it'd be interesting to see if uh, what happened and what does happen. I mean, GTs, nobody's really outside of the motorsport world really looking in on that. Yeah, I guess the eyeballs, you need to be in the, in, yeah. in the racing to be looking at it. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, I mean, was she any good as a driver, by the way? I mean, no. I know she was in some uh, apprentice scheme as a young talent, but that's about all I've looked into. You have to be... A certain level of talent to get to to even drive them. Yeah, she's better than me. But when you look at any level of motorsport, yeah. not just in Australia but worldwide, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more talented kids. Yeah, who, that just don't come through without because they don't look right or they don't have the mm. opportunity or whatnot. Yeah. So and me and Tara were talking about this the other day. Michael Doohan's son. Oh uh, yeah, Jack. Yep. Currently racing Formula Two. Yes. Had everything bought for him, basically. Oh, of course. Mick poured so much money into go-karting in Australia that he, he almost bought him every championship up until World Karting Championship. Yeah. So he's actually struggling a little bit in F2 at the moment. So. Yeah. Well, he's also, I think, isn't he? Because I think most of the Formula 1 teams this year got to name three reserve drivers. I think he is actually named as a reserve driver for... It may even be Aston Martin, I think. Yeah, I think that would be Michael's connect, yeah. um, oh, no connections doubt. there. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, Rob, I tell you, actually, uh, we went to the Australian Karting Championships in Geelong as part of 365 Days of Sport, and uh, I was quite shocked to uh, see Mick there. Yeah. Just 
as a well not as a punter but he was obviously looking after jack at the time and i think uh, mick's involvement at that time he was president of australian karting as well because in his own words well nobody else wanted to do it yeah <laughs> at the same time he made a few enemies doing it though because i know when i came through karting as a kid one set of tires would last you a whole season yeah and then suddenly under mixed stewardship it came you almost needed qualifying tires and really? then three or four different sets of tires each race ah, so okay a lot more money is yeah. required now to in order to be competitive at, at base level what was quite astonishing to me is that meeting and it was the australian karting championship which became a three or four round championship was the names that were in that series you know your Baguanas, your Richardsons. I think there was a Johnson in there. Yep. It was it was a whole list of <laughs> kids. Yes. With famous motoring fathers, grandfathers, etc. Well, they're all coming through, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they don't know anything else. That's the thing. That's it. They so, grow up around it, and what was it Baguanas? Dad owns Red Rooster, so many franchises of Red really? Roosters. That's why you're seeing... Red Rooster um, sponsorship on cars. Okay. Yeah, so Ben and his little brother are both coming through okay. um, at the moment. There's a Jet Johnson is racing Super Jet three. Johnson? Yes. So. That's almost a cartoon name. <laughs> um, third generation. Is that Steve Johnson? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so. so Dick and... When I was working in, uh, in fundraising for the kids' hospital, you could not meet a nicer two people than Dick and Steve. Oh, really? Do anything for the kids' hospital. Whatever you wanted, they'd, they'd be there. Oh, Dick was the people's the people's yeah. champion. Yeah, um, but, mate, they were absolutely sensational. I mean, whatever, you, all I do is ring up and say, you know, what have you got? Come down. We'll, we'll find stuff for you. <laughs> and it was it was amazing. Give me a door. You get parts off cars that have been bashed up. <laughs> Doors you used to auction off and sign merchandise. They were absolutely fantastic, those two. And, uh, yeah, they uh, really can't say a bad word about them. They were so happy to just be asked, which is weird because they were giving stuff away. Good news stories. Yeah. You actually oh, get yeah. a bit in motorsport. I think the guys are always I think so. I think so. Um, <laughs> we'll do this because you, uh, you prompted me that you may have something for this. Oh, we love this sting. Just get you in the mood. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Storytime with Rob. Brock. <laughs> right, I was worried where you were going with that for a second. Story time with Brock. Okay, yeah, I, I probably would like to call this, I guess, a segment if I become a regular beef, um, would be my dad and I. <laughs> um, we can do that. The good thing about my dad and I, we've always, we've got a pretty good relationship, something I'm trying to establish with my son as I get as he gets older, but um, yeah, me and dad have always had a little bit of fun as I grew up. As long as... I'm going to just interrupt you, and I shouldn't do, and I do this quite a lot. My dad, on the weekend, I had to fix something on his computer, right? And we do it team viewer, because he's up in Brisbane. I'm on his computer, and he he then proceeds to show me some YouTube videos of flash mobs. (laughs) Okay. And thinks that I need to see, and he needs to show me, these three videos of flash mobs. One is in a Swedish airport. One was in an Ikea in Madrid. And the other one was in a um, Brazilian canteen at a university. They're amazing things, Beef. <laughs> just random just people. Just promise start. me, just don't do that to your son. No, I think I can avoid that one, yeah, to be honest with that's you. That's all right. I'm just saying. <laughs> if your dad starts showing your flash mob videos on YouTube, it's time to get out. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Rightio. So I'll set the scene. Now, as you know, I grew up in Broken Hill, uh, which is bloody hot for 360 
three days of the year. And yep. Freezing cold for the other two. So it's middle of summer, uh, and it's probably our fourth or fifth 47-degree day in a row. For some reason, my dad decided that today's a good day to go concrete in the backyard, because that's what you do. So dad's out there, he's, it's peak day, like we're talking lunchtime, peak day, sun's belting down, dad's shoveling concrete into a wheelbarrow and, and wheeling it from the backyard to the front yard, or the front yard to the backyard, can't really remember. I'm dagging around in the yard, and I'm like, there's got to be something I can do here, he's looking pretty hot. So at the time, I had a um, a cricket ball, but it wasn't a cricket ball, it was just you know, spongy ones. Oh yeah. That were like... Like an indoor ball. Uh, no, it was like a, a, a spongy rubber. Uh, I guess. Was able to bounce off the wall reasonably well, so it was always good to have fun with the backyard and build around. And what I did notice is that I could fill it full of water. Um, (laughs) So, Dad's wheelbarrowing away, and he comes wheelbarrowing out, and I go, this is going to be funny. I've dunked the ball in the dog's water to make it nice and wet, and I'm thinking, this is going to be a moment in my life we'll laugh about forever. I'll get Dad wet. It'll be great. I've made him wet. He's all happy. We'll giggle about it later. I just started playing baseball that year as well, so I've got my throwing technique pretty well honed now, and... um, I decide to throw the ball from one end of the yard, which is probably 35, 40 metres from our yard in Broken Hill, to the other end where Dad's coming through with his wheelbarrow full of concrete. Perfect throw. Right on line, straight out of the hand. You can see the water whizzing out the back of the ball as it's going towards him. I'm thinking this is going to be great. It's going to get him right in the chest. He's going to get wet. It's going to be hilarious. At the last second, physics kicks in. And I'm not too sure how this has happened, but it's managed to weave its way between his arms and the handles on the uh, wheelbarrow. Miss his stalk and hit him square on both plums. So Dad has dropped with the noise all I can describe is going, <laughs> and both his knees buckle and he hits the ground and whole wheelbarrow of concrete spills over. Oh. And I've just stood there and pointed and started laughing because I thought it was hilarious. After about, it was probably about 30 seconds, but it felt like about five minutes. Yep. I thought, geez, he's still down. <laughs> um, I better go check on him. So I've gone walking up to him. And Dad's in the fetal position on, like, red-hot concrete. Like, it was a boiling oh. hot day, obviously. In the fetal position, holding on to both his nuts with a little puddle of tears <laughs> next to him. And I've just gone, hey, Dad, uh, you all right? And he's, he's managed four words. And he's like, I'm going to freaking kill you. <laughs> um, so I've gone, okay, i got to manage this situation. And me being, I think it was 12 years old at the time, walked up to Mum in the kitchen and went, Mum, Dad's hurt himself. And I've grabbed my bike and pissed off (laughs) because I knew I was going to be in trouble. About three hours later, I decided to come home thinking that the the heat would have died down by now. And I've still got this vision in my mind's eyes. Dad laying under the air conditioner with a bag of peas on his nuts. (laughs) He's got the concrete still stuck in his hair. (laughs) And his hair's like sticking up like, I guess, Doc from Back to the Future. Half his face is sunburnt (laughs) because he was laying on the ground in the sun. And he's just gone, don't talk to me ever again. Um, To this day, it's still funny because whenever I throw anything at Dad, I can toss anything at Dad. Doesn't matter what he's holding, he'll drop it and cover his balls. (laughs) In order just to go, no, I'm not getting hit like that ever again. So, great man, my dad. Probably doesn't deserve that kind of PTSD in his life. No. One of the many stories that we've had uh, growing up. We've got a few more of those ones. Good. The other thing you haven't said, he had a barrow full of concrete. What happened to the concrete (laughs) in the barrow? Yeah, well, that uh, remained part of the yard as a feature for about (laughs) four or five weeks. Just as a kind of a turned into a... Font of nature there. Yeah, well, we ended up having a, uh, a I guess, a concrete, <laughs> concrete artwork, a concrete mound <laughs> um, in the backyard for a while. So very good. Yeah, all good fun and games. Yeah. Hey, bro, if we were on a desert island and there wasn't any grass, no grass, would you eat me to survive? Oh, bro, who'd eat a cow? Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues, beef up your snack life. 
Hey, this is Toddy Goldsmith, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. Oh, that music can only mean one thing. Yes, it's the greatest sports radio quiz on the interwebs today. It is that time of the week again, time for Sporting Gladiators, where we ask each other three questions, sporting-related trivia stuff, five answers each. The winner will be whoever gets the most out of 15. Hey, feeling, Brock? Confident? Done it again. Hold on. You've done it again. <laughs> you just Rob's keep... throw me. He uses the other mic and then throw me all out. Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, not at all confident. Not confident mate. at all? No. Never mind. You um, should be because I think I've gone easy on you, but that could mean a whole raft of things. I am sitting across from one of the greatest sporting minds in history. Though, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Sport is a deep pond. I cover a lot of the pond, but I don't go very deep. That's my <laughs> problem. But I'm going to ask you some cricket Australian Test Cricket questions. Okay. Between Shane Warne and Nathan Lyon, Australia picked 11 dedicated spinners, nine of which played less than seven tests. Right. Just got to name any five out of those nine. I know one, off the top of my head, that would be one of Warney's protégés who reckoned he was going to take 100 test wickets. It's Michael Beer. Yes, in his two tests. <laughs> um, crazy. Crazier? Nathan Crazier? Another one with two tests. Um, Eight wickets in his first test? Not many in his second. <laughs> finished, finished on about nine wickets, I think. <laughs> it's Sock, Steve Keith. Not between the two, unfortunately. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm struggling now. Um, Xavier Doherty. Yes, four <laughs> tests. <laughs> Pulled that out. Your tests, that's incredible. I, I know. played one day. Um, I, don't, I can't remember four tests, though. Zampas later. Steve Smith. Played less than seven tests. Oh, yeah, sorry. Goddamn. Oh, as a spinner, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Played one test as a dedicated spinner, but uh, I'll let you off that one. You can All have right, another guess because you're obviously clearly not listening to the question. You're, well, I'm buckling under pressure at the moment. Um, what have I got? One, one more. One more here. to go, yep. Jeez. Uh, no, nah, no idea, mate. Okay. You could have had Peter McIntyre. Oh, my God. Two tests. You could have had Brad Hogg. Yeah, Left arm Chinaman or unorthodox. You could have had Gavin Robertson. Oh, I was going to go Gav. Part of six and out. Yes, good glory. Um, Dan Cullen for a test. Yeah, no, I don't get Cameron White, the big bear, as a dedicated spinner. Jason Crazy, you got. Bryce McGain, one test wonder. Xavier Doherty, you got somehow. <laughs> and Michael Beer. So three. Not bad, fella. Not bad. Oh, it's not great either. <laughs> it's not bad so. stuff. Well, for me, um, I've gone because... You are one of the great sporting brains in the world. Yeah. I've gone for turn of the decade champions. Now, I've actually done this for all three questions. Okay. With just three different sports as, okay. as your categories. So, we're talking 1980, 1990, 2000, Ooh. 2010, 2020. Sheesh. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to start with Formula One. So okay. world champion. In 1980. Yes. Alan Jones. Correct. 1990. Well, let's go. Let's take it easy. Alan Prost. Incorrect. Incorrect. Pross was 89. Oh. All right. Well, 1990 would have been Senna then if he wasn't Prost. Correct. Greatest of all time. Okay. (laughs) 2000. Oh, well, let's make it easy. Michael Schumacher. Correct. Second greatest of all time. So 2010. Well, we could... Would it be? Lewis Hamilton. Incorrect. Jensen Button, 2010? Incorrect. Oh, no. Ah, So in that case, it would be... 2009 was Button. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking in the brawn. Um, 2010 must have been Fernando Alonso then. Incorrect. No! Probably the only other one you can think of from that era, anyway. From that era? Another German. Oh, Seb Vettel. Seb Vettel. Yeah. Yes. Oh, nice. Didn't mind that. <laughs> Good question. I like it. There we go. That's given me another lease of life. For uh, future quizzes, I like it. Oh, good. good yes. All right. Basketball. I know that's uh, dear to your heart. Seventeen Australians have played post-season games in the NBA. Six of them have played less than ten games. So you can name any five. I was going to expand this because I didn't know how deep your uh, NBA oh, knowledge would would be for Aussies in the NBA. You are pushing me here, mate. Yeah. Um, Luke Longley played too many. Um, yes. So he's so he's what I can radar. do is we go less than fifty because I've got that list somewhere. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Because there's a big jump. I think there's about three or four have played in the thirties. Rightio, fair enough. Um, and it has to be postseason games. So less than less than fifty postseason. I'm gonna put Andrew Gaze in there. He played with the Spurs for one season, I think. He never. He didn't get caught. Played on. a minute of oh. post-season games. He got a ring and did not. I play. know. There's <laughs> another. Right. There's another Australian that's got a ring that never played post-season games either. I don't uh, think they'll probably be Shane Hill. I'd say. Anstey, Chris Anstey. He either has played over fifty or he hasn't okay. played any. So zero. Bloody hell! That's two down. I only got three. Two down. Yeah. Jeez. Just thinking out loud here. I'm really struggling with this one. Um, I will say Shane Hill. Two games, two postseason games. Two games. Shane Hill for the hammer. There we go. Was that for the Timberwolves? Yes, nineteen ninety-seven. There we go. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Well, I'm struggling to think on my feet here, Beef. Bogut played a lot more than fifty games in I think. postseason. I'm just going to check that because Kazirini uh, was with the Bucks when the Bucks were trash. <laughs> yeah, seventy-seven games for Bogut in okay. the postseason. So I've missed that one. Now I just got to think of one more Australian that yeah. might have played over there. Bradkey? Mark Bradkey. He's not on my list, but I'm going to check. <laughs> Tell you what, if I if I nail this, then I've pulled that out of very much left field. He only played 36 games in total. No, no postseason action for the Bradkey. Uh, I've blown that one. Yeah. You could have had Luke Shensha. you never heard of him. <laughs> Three games for the Bulls in 2006. Darnell Mee. Never heard of him. Three games for the Nuggets <laughs> in 94. Shane Hill, you got. Jonah Bolden. Ten games for the 76ers in 2019. Could I have thrown Josh Giddy in there, considering he's he's just playing his first season You there? could have, yeah. Oh, bloody hell. I th- well, has <laughs> he actually played postseason? They've played a play-in game, which isn't officially postseason at yeah, the minute. valid. But there is another one currently who has just played his first postseason game yesterday, Jock Landale. Oh, yeah. For Phoenix. You could have had Leonard Copeland. Ben Simmons, maybe? Yes. And Dante Exum. Yeah. And I think there was another one in there you could have had. It's just the pressure cauldron. It sucks you in, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, Aaron Baines, I think you could have had as well. Ah, yes. I think. The big banner. Yeah. He's playing um, in Brisbane these, years, these days. Is he? Yeah. Up at, up uh, he was the, the other guy that's an NBA champion that has hardly played any postseason action. No, I'll be damned. 54 games, actually, so you couldn't have had Aaron Baines. Sorry. Was very Although he's a Kiwi. I've just seen he's born in Gisborne, no. New Zealand. Is this another thing that we claim, mate? Yeah. New Zealand's Australia's seventh state. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one. Sorry, Brock. Oh, that's all right. Uh, all right. I knew I'd be useless at this, so that's all good. Um... 
Radio. So continuing on with the theme, turn of the decade champions. Yes. Um, this time we're going to go AFL, knowing oh. this is not your strongest area. So okay. 1980, 90, 2000, 2010, and 2020. Okay, 2010 is Collingwood. Correct. Yes. 2020. Oh. Uh. <laughs> uh. 2020. Melbourne. Who was in? Who was after? Ah. Oh, uh. Oh no. I wish I had to look this up. I guess because it was COVID. COVID grand final wasn't played in Melbourne. 2020. Who was? I have to come back to that. <laughs> So, 1980, I've got no idea. 1990, still before my time, so I've got no idea. Who was good in 1990? 2000, Essendon? Correct, yeah. So, I'm two for two at the minute, but I'm struggling. (laughs) 1980, I'm going to say who was quite good. That would have been Hawthorne. Incorrect. Incorrect. Kevin Bartlett's Richmond decimated Collingwood. 80. Okay. 1990... It's going to be at the height of the Wayne Carey era for the North Melbourne Kangaroos. Is that your guess? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> it was actually Collingwood. Uh, Tony, Tony Shaw. Tony Shaw. Okay. Uh, I'll give you another piece of trivia. Who kicked five goals in the 1990 Grand Final? Oh, for the, uh, for the Collingwood uh, Magpies, it would have been um, Roger Merritt. No. Uh, it was actually Essendon. <laughs> Oh, really? Goals okay, nice. Game. I like it. <laughs> um, so, two, oh, we got 2000. So, 19. No, we didn't get no. Who am I missing? 2020. 2020, you're looking for now. Can I give you a hint if you want? The final was in was in Brisbane, wasn't it? Uh, Brisbane or Perth? No, Perth was 21 uh, because yeah. that's when the Demons won. Yeah, Perth locked everyone out. So, Richmond got to the final. Who did they play in the final? And they lost because they won in 2019. You might have to rethink that they lost. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So Richmond in 2020. Richmond won in 2020? Yeah. I was thinking they did. Oh, they won in 2018 and 20. Yeah. The 19 yes. was their gap year. So Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was in Brisbane. I remember that. They beat Brisbane, who basically won the league, um, and then stuffed it up. Because then because they beat Richmond the first round of the playoffs and lost him in the semi-final. Oh, there you go. Which is a bit stupid. You've got AFL. Weirdly enough. There we go. All right. Top 10 most disposals in a season. You can name any five out of the top 10 players with the most disposals in a season. Now, I don't even know whether this is a widely renowned stat. Basically, blokes have got the ball a lot. Now, I'm going to give you a clue. (laughs) There is one person from 2010, and the rest are all 2016 on. So it's... I guess... um Footy's become a lot more high possession in that time. Yep. That does rule out my cousin. Uh, I would have thought Robert Harvey would be in there, but he's not. No. So, um, so any five from ten. I'm just seeing if there's any two players the same, by the way. I didn't check that. One player does feature twice. I'll go greatest of all time. Scotty Pendlebury. Not in the top ten, bro. Ooh, Sorry. Okay. There we go. Uh, Gary Ablett Jr. Not in the top ten. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> there's two just gone. Yeah. Um, oh, Wow. That that would be the two top I would have thought. Now so this, this is, is per, this is based on total, not average. By the way, right, this is per season or just in total? the top ten of all time all in time. a season. In a season, yeah. Chris Judd, I gave you the years. I don't think he played much yeah, after. I don't think so. But no Judd, no Judd. Three points. See, I'm just thinking of impact players as opposed to just possession players. Yeah, and I'm, I'm shocked that um, Ablett isn't in there. Ablett Junior's not in there. Yeah. Um, Paddy Dangerfield. 
No danger field. Good lord, I'm struggling here. Yeah. <laughs> you should get one. You reckon I'll get one? Considering the team you support. Uh, Dane Swan? Dane Swan is one. Okay. Uh, is that all of them, or do I get another guess? Oh, you can have another guess. I'll give you another uh, guess. You can have I'm a go. So far behind at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you may not score any points, but you don't have another guess. <laughs> nah, Nat Five. No, he's not a possession man either. Yeah. You could have had Jack McRae from the Western Bulldogs. He's got the record, 880. You know, I've just... Tom Mitchell. Twice? Yeah. <laughs> Matt Crouch from Adelaide. Dane Swan. Dan Hannabury from Sydney. Clayton Oliver from Melbourne. Adam Trelaw in 2019 for the Collingwood. For the pies. Uh, Tom Mitchell again. Josh Kennedy from Sydney. And Ollie Wines from Port Adelaide is 10th. There from, you go. There are three from 2021 in the top 10. So it was a high possession year. There you go. You can probably throw Nick Dacos in there this year, the way he's gone. Rightio, um, last roll of the dice yep. for me, but I think I've already lost, so I don't think this, I think this is a moot a moot question. It's never um, moot in <laughs> sporting gladiators, Brocky. Rightio, we're going to go NBA uh, champions oh. from 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, 2020. Okay. 1990, you've just got to say Chicago Bulls. Incorrect. Oh, okay. Jordan's nemesis. The Boston Celtics. No, the other nemesis. New York Knicks. The other one. <laughs> I didn't know yet. Oh, the Lakers. Uh, Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons. Oh, the Pistons, of course. So okay. when everyone says that Jordan never lost in the finals, tell that to the Pistons. Oh, <laughs> Knocked yeah. him out a couple of times. So 1980, you've got to go back to the... Is it the Lakers in 80? It is the Lakers, yeah. Oh, I got one. So that 90... So 2000. Who... Oh, I'm just trying to think who the superstar... Oh, Shaq time. Was it the Magic? Orlando Magic in 2000. No. Oh, I'm going to throw one out there. I'm going to go uh, Phoenix Suns. Uh, no. Oh, okay. Actually, I think the Suns have won one, yeah? Uh, okay. Not so, even with... Um, not even with King Charles. And the other guy that used to play for him as well. That bloke. John, John Stockton. <laughs> oh, yes. Wasn't he with the... Nah, he was Jazz. Jazz, purple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Carl Malone. He was either... He, he was Jazz as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was the part of the Bulls dynasty right. was knocking Jazz out. Yep. So. Okay. Uh, go on. Two, who was that? 2000? 2000? 2000. This, there is a bit of a uh, twist in this in these questions. Because if you get one, you generally get four. Oh, okay. So you got 1980 with the Lakers. Yeah. So 2000 is the Lakers again, is it? Yeah. <laughs> right. I was going to say 2020. Wasn't that the Mavericks? Uh, no. 2010 no, was the Lakers Lakers as well. again. Uh, that's the bubble championship with LeBron. And 2010 was also the Lakers. Really? Yeah. Didn't realize they'd won so many. There you go. So part of the second uh, Kobe Bryant dynasty with Al. <laughs> with Al. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. I like that. That's a good style of quiz. All Get right. you thinking. I'll take that one. Yeah, uh, like that. I'm glad you've brought that to the party. I've taken a beating in it, but uh, no, you know what? About that. will, That's all right. I'll, at least my quiz master skills are good. No, I, I do. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. All right, we'll finish on this. Flat Earther, Kyrie Irving, no. <laughs> Flat Earther splashes out $20,000 on an experiment only to end up proving the Earth is round. I have heard this one. Flat Earther proved that we live on a globe after his experiment costing 20000 went badly wrong for him. Conspiracy theorist Rob Nodal has a YouTube channel that focuses on the wild claim the Earth is actually flat and is a believer that surprisingly gathering a growing community of believers. In an attempt to prove we live on a flat Earth, he spent $20,000 on a laser gyroscope that he expected would show the planet does not rotate. Nodal was carrying out the DIY experiment for the Netflix documentary Behind the Curve! But using a gyroscope, he found that there was a drift 
that was picked up each hour. He said, What we found is when we turned on the gyroscope, we found out they were picking up a drift, a 15 degree per hour drift. I had to accept this is exactly what we would expect from a rotating globe and not what we were wanting at all. Obviously, we were taken aback by that. Wow, that's a kind of problem. <laughs> we obviously were not willing to accept that, so we started looking for ways to disprove it was actually registering the motion of the Earth. But despite making refinements of the gyroscope, it continually showed the Earth is round. He then started to talk to a fellow flat earther at a Denver meeting where he said that they had to persist to try and prove the argument somehow and emphasize that they spent 20000 on the gyroscope. We don't want to blow this, you know. When you got twenty grand on this freaking gyro, if we dumped that we found right now, would it be bad? Yeah, it would be bad. <laughs> what I told you was just confidential, though. Uh, in a second makeshift experiment for the Netflix documentary, Flat Earthers used a camera to film through two holes and a person standing on either side shone a torch back at the camera and the idea was that if the light can be seen with the camera with all the holes at the same height above the ground, then it would prove the Earth was flat. Didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it again failed. The light did not shine through the same holes. I love the logic that the tool that we've bought to measure that the Earth is flat <laughs> is proving the Earth is round, so the tool must be broken. <laughs> so we've got to break the tool to make to prove our theory. You've got to wonder about these uh, flat Earth types. It's uh, just too much information out there right now. <laughs> it is one of the problems with social media, that you congregate to groups that, of people that agree with you. So yeah. everyone's agreeing with you. You don't get any... Um, That's exactly right. Oh, you've hit the nail on the head there, actually, because uh, you are socializing in circles that are like-minded people. Yeah, so nobody's giving you valid arguments. No. <laughs> and, in fact, you close them down on a regular basis. Yes. When people infiltrate those circles, and then it's, well, no, because all these other people are agreeing with me. Yeah, that's because they're the only people you talk with. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, you're right. They're absolutely spot on. Well, mate, I, I will ask the question. What have you got coming up over the next seven days? Next seven days. Not, yeah, because uh, it's a week between shows for us. Oh, that's true. Um, Lucas making his footy debut for the mm-hmm. Officer Kangaroos under the Wolves White team. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm not one to pour scorn on footy teams' nicknames, but to keep calling yourselves Magpies, Kangaroos, Hawks, <laughs> come on, just embrace other animals or things there seems to be a lot of the same kind of afl names kicking around local suburban footy clubs uh yeah northern bull ants i can get behind (laughs) well you know there's a team in the league who are the nary warren foxes oh i like that with a pretty cool jumper as well so i would have liked him to go down that path but all his mates played for the roof so he decided to jump on yeah that's fair enough but i'm just i'm not having to go at uh you know those people but i'm just having to go at the creativity of the aussie rules clubs (laughs) there's none (laughs) just isn't any I tell you what, I'm disappointed by. Yeah, is uh, his old man is pretty famous for wearing 29 in in most yeah. most of my sporting ventures. Yep, and Lucas has gone for 33, so I'm a little bit annoyed by that. 33, Patrick Ewing. Yeah, also Larry Bird. Was he 33? Was, was a 33? I thought he was but 32. I don't minus, know why I thought that. That's Magic Johnson was 32. Yes, minus Labuschagne and well, if you like South African cricketers, fair enough. Yeah, he's a big fan of Marnie and and, and, and played f- so. staunch Glamorgan man nowadays. Oh, there you go. Manus, yeah. I have no idea what Glamorgan yeah, yeah, is. So yeah. Don't put me on a sports podcast when you're talking about rugby. Well, no, that's Glamorgan, a first-class cricket team that's oh, based in Wales, play in the English 
County Championship. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, so he's turning into Welshman, a bit like Jax Callis, another, <laughs> another Welshman. Well, I claim a bit of Welsh in my Do blood. you? I do. I did the DNA test recently. So oh, yes. Found out we're from Cornwall and... Um, bit Welsh. of Celtic blood in there. Bit of Welsh slipped in there as well. Beautiful. Well, Cornish and Welsh, they, they claim way back are related, so <laughs> they're the, with the same ilk. Explains, the Celtic blood. Explains why I don't like peas in my pasties, I reckon. Well, you can put peas in pasties, uh, by the way. In Cornish pasties, you can, you can, but it's more um, swede and mince. Yeah. And potato. Yeah. More than anything. But there you go. We're Tackling the big issues, mate. Thank oh, Always a big issue when it comes to pasties, mate. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, I've got to thank Jack Link's Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky on the planet. 100% grass-fed New Zealand beef. It is the best beef jerky you can possibly buy, and that is why it is... The food of astronauts. Thanks for downloading. We'll be back. Probably regular service may well be resumed next week, but you never, ever know where 365 Days Boy is concerned. Got to thank you, Brock, for jumping in a fairly short notice to fill the void, because me talking for two hours about absolute crap, you can get that anywhere. Well, yeah, I'm very used to that, but uh, thanks for having me, mate. I've enjoyed it. Oh, no, absolutely. I'll be uh, so thankful for you to uh, join us. You can follow us on social media, Instagram, not that much happens nowadays with us, Twitter and Facebook. Just look up 365 Days of Sport. This has been episode 290 of the greatest sports-adjacent sports radio show on the planet, 365 Days of Sport. Say something, Brock. Oh, thank you. (laughs) We'll be back next week.